Welcome to Career View. This is the podcast where we ask questions you want to know when it comes to pursuing a career path. I'm your host, Niruja Shamal, and each episode I'll ask questions on behalf of students across the country from secondary schools and universities what they want to know when it comes to pursuing their dream job. For today's episode, we'll be asking our top questions that have been submitted by students on our CareerView website who are interested in becoming a social worker. Now, to answer these questions, I'm joined by 27-year-old social worker Jordan Randazzo, who initially pursued a pathway in finance, but always knew and eventually chose his passion in becoming a social worker. Now, Jordan has worked in some of the most extreme circumstances for child protection and family support. So... Let's hear from him. Back. Jordan, it is really great to have you here, mate. I cannot believe that you're here. I know that you have a really busy week ahead of you. You're flying away next week to Cambodia, right? Yeah, I sure am. Um, yeah, let me start saying thank you, Neri, for having me on. Um, absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, spot on. I'm uh, jumping on a plane next this time next week, actually, and uh, moving moving my life to Cambodia. So pretty excited for that. How long are you going for, by the way? Uh, no real set plans, to be honest. Mm. Um, the idea is to go for at least a year, maybe two. Um, get stuck into some work over there and then reevaluate. So. Yeah, again, very excited to go and uh, yeah, got a few things i got to wrap up and this is definitely one thing that I didn't want to miss out on. Absolutely unreal, Jordan. Um, now, before we get into our top questions that have been asked by students when it comes to a career path of a social worker, uh, the first thing I want to know uh, from yourself is um, the term social worker. It, it seems so broad. Um, can you explain to me exactly what that is and what can you do as a social worker? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, I think it's one of the challenges we get with social work is when you don't know what it is, is, is where are you? Because it is so mm. broad. What, what industries are you in and where are you working? So, um, look, social work is, um, firstly, it is about working with people, groups and communities to try to get the best outcomes for them. That's pretty much what it is. And there's a lot that plays a role in that, all the different systems. Um, and then you talk about where then, like where are you working with people, um, groups and communities so you have school social workers so you know you can work there you have social workers in hospitals um, essential central role in those um, in the hospitals as well you have uh, child protection so they're called child protection workers but a lot of child protection workers background is social work mm. um, you have Age care. You have mm. social workers in age care, another another really important um, area. I mean, even diving further into that, you have palliative care, like social workers will be working in palliative care. Um, disability um, industry, social workers are... So in that role, you're working with the people. Um, you're, you're on the ground in, in all those roles, whether it's in the school, in the hospital, with disability. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it is a bit broad, but that's also because... Social workers work in a, in a range of um, different fields. Yeah, that's so many different elements there. And I think, you know, some of the questions here that we have in terms of breaking down exactly what you do will definitely put some perspective on that as well because it, it's still very hard to imagine, you know, from a student perspective what exactly that is. So um, I'm glad that we have you here to get that perspective. Uh, jumping into our questions, Daz, um, first question that we have is at what point in your life did you realise you wanted to become a social worker? Um, yeah, okay. So it's an interesting one for me. Uh, won't lie. So I, I started 
post school in commerce. Um, yeah, firstly in accounting and finance. Uh, did that for a couple of years and, and then even moved into marketing for a while there. Um, so where it, but throughout that entire time, um, I was volunteering for an organisation that works with kids at risk. And I think it was always a mindset of commerce is, is the career path and the job. Volunteering is a bit of fun and I enjoy, enjoy doing it. And there was this point in time, um, I, it was four years out of uni and I was actually on one of these camps for the kids and I had a realisation that, hold on, this is, this is what I want to I be doing all the time. You know, I can make a career out of this. Um, and, and it was at that point in time, on that camp, that I made that decision. Um, and then I returned home. Um, I was actually meant to be going into a marketing job and I gave him a call and just said, I'm, I'm not going to walk in and sign the contract, unfortunately. Um, I'm actually, you know, and fortunately for me, I said, I'm going to go start a career in social work. So, What was the reaction to everyone around you? Uh, this is something you were studying for so many years, accounting, you know, marketing, finance, all of this, and then doing something quite on the other spectrum altogether. What was everyone's response? Yeah, I think the people that really knew me, um, those people that and knew, knew me, and what I was doing in that volunteering for four or five years, just were like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, I got really good support from family and friends that I was close with, um, just saying, yeah, that, you know, you're clearly so passionate about that. This this is the role for you um, kind of thing. And that was really nice. And then a lot of other people, the people that you're not so close with and things like that, it is, it's confusing. And they're asking, they ask questions, they go, what? Because it is such a different change. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, I've, I've never looked back. Um, mm. Absolutely love it. I love that I've got my commerce background as well. Mm. Um, that's, that's something that's really important in my work too. It keeps me, keeps me level-headed at times. <laughs> oh, definitely. And I can imagine that balance really evening it out for yourself there. If you don't mind me asking, what, what made you get into volunteering? You've done, you were doing it very early on when you were studying. What was the main reason for why you started? Yeah. Um, oh, great question, Neri. I guess when I go back and, and think about it, I... I really, one, I knew a few people that had been doing it and had talked about it, you know, and start hearing about these kind of things. And I think that, I guess, is where something in me just said, wow, that would be, and I guess when you're at uni and you're younger, my first thought would be, that'd be a lot of fun, you know, to go and do something like this and give back to these kids in some way. Well, um, and what were you doing, by the way, just just for... Uh, so I was a leader on these camps. The camps were a time... For these kids to to get away, um, to have a break, have their own holidays. They were disadvantaged kids that just did not have those opportunities. They came from an absolute range of backgrounds, and um, yeah. So it was, hey, this is an opportunity. And you know, I, I never shy away from the fact I was lucky enough to have a privileged upbringing, and this was something that I could give back to the community a bit. And that, I guess, started the drive. And then from there, it just it was a snowball effect. I just absolutely loved it. I absolutely love to hear it as well. So it's really humbling to listen to. Um, Jordan, the next question that we have for you, asked by students, is: What is the process to become a social worker? Yeah, okay. So um, the process is, so it is, it's university degree. Um, you, you've got a few different options. Um, you know, there's a four-year undergraduate degree. A few of the unis here in WA provide that as across nationwide. Uh, then there are also opportunities for doing a master's. Um, so with my university background, the fact I'd done a couple of years through commerce, um, I was lucky enough to get into the master's. Um, the other way as well is, there's obviously so many alternative pathways these these days. Um, youth, a lot of youth workers who study diplomas and graduates at 
uh, TAFE will work through that and then be able to, I guess, cut off units at uni because they've got those already um, as well and go into an undergrad there. Um, but that's kind of the main mm. pathway. So you've got your uni social work and then your youth work mm. through the TAFEs. Great to know. Um, really insightful there. Uh, next question that we have for you, Jordan, is what does a normal day look like at work? And if you don't mind giving a really clear visual on what this may look like. Yeah, okay, yep. Um, I'll, I will give you a visual of like my normal day um, and I'll just put that disclaimer in when I say my normal days because social workers will work across so many fields, disability, aged care, um, schools, everywhere. So I work with youth at risk. Um, I've worked in child protection and I've also worked as in the out-of-home care sector. So kids removed from families and um, living in households with carers. Um, so what a normal day looks like in, in that youth at risk area is you're engaging with stakeholders. That is such a big part of, of your everyday work. That's parents of the children, that's grandparents, that's aunties, uncles, that is carers who, are, who may be family, who may not be family, that is schools. You know, you play a massive, um, schools play a massive role in, in children's upbringing and uh, we're constantly in communication with them. Um, there are, and every school operates so differently mm, yeah. as, as well. So um, there's a lot of stakeholder um, engagement and that can be through emails, telephone calls, um, going out in-person meetings as well. You're behind the desk a bit as well, definitely. Um, you know, anything involving a minor and a child and things like that, got to be on file. It's, it's essential. You're, mm. you're writing reports, um, you're, you're doing you know, certain forms of assessment, I guess, um, and you're, again, you're putting it all on the system, mm-hmm. um, whether that's in government, non-government, a lot. And then, um, and then probably the best part of your day is when you get to engage with the kids, mm-hmm. um, which, to be really honest with you, there is two sides of that as well. So um, you get the really positive days where, you know, you're the kid's favourite person and then the not-so-positive days. And to give you a visual of that, um, again, Social work is broad, on, but as a personal experience and things that I've dealt with, um, you know, we I've had times where um, I don't want to make it sound scary, but you know, you're in the car and and you're, you're getting handbrakes pulled on you, kids trying to, you know, um, sit out, <laughs> pull themselves out of not out, sorry, out of the vehicle. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Wow, yeah, pretty it's much. I, I don't, yeah, but literally things like that. Um, yeah. Escalations, I guess. Um, yeah. is what I'm getting at. You know, anything from verbal, physical aggression, things being thrown around, wow. fights between children. Um, wow. And that, that drops into your day-to-day work as well, if I'm being honest yeah. you know, and realistic about it. Yeah. Um, that's probably, yeah, that would be your... Kind of day in day, itself yeah. for, for a social worker. Yeah, and I mean, worker. they change so much. But yeah. yeah, and then the other thing is there's a lot of referrals. Okay. Social work, um, as I mentioned at the start, is looking at such... Uh, so many different aspects of an individual's life mm. um, and you recognise the strengths that we can bring and mm. then the strengths that other professionals can bring and working in multidisciplinary teams is just critical in this role mm-hmm. and bringing on, you know, those amazing other services, your OTs, your psychs, um, your speech pathologist on board is something a social worker really tries get 
um, get ticking along really. Get ticking along. No, great to know. And just one thing for me um, and one thing for our listeners that could be of use is what is the split between, you know, you mentioned behind the desk, doing the paperwork, doing the files and also working and being on the road. What would you say is a percentage split between the two on a, on a normal day? Yeah, um, in a, I'd say in a week because I guess I do like my days that are going to be desk days and my days that I'm on the road. Um, so in a week you're looking at a... A 65-35 split. Okay. So, and that's 65 behind the desk, 35 okay. out and about. Um, but it also is a very personal thing. It's how you, what framework you want to operate with as a mm-hmm. social worker. You get a bit of autonomy in that space. Mm. And if you want to be a very hands-on, creating those relationships kind of social worker, then you can get out there. And if you want to get your compliance done, which is just as important at times, then you can sit behind the desk. So you do have a bit of, a bit of choice in that as well. So... Okay, great to know, Jordan. Uh, next question that we have for you is, is there anything that shocked you once you started working in this field? Um, yes, definitely. Straight off the bat, like, you know, I, I, you go in and you're like, yeah, I know social work is, can be quite hectic at times. Um, but even now, um, that you know, we will still stumble across certain things um, where it, it does shock me. It's, it's those sad and tragic moments where you think it's incredible that a human can harm another human in this kind of way I guess um and yeah you think oh you know how can it get any more shocking than that and then something does pop up so um I guess there's and there's two ways that I kind of um I think of that question when you ask it initially that there's that that shocking reality of um of some of the harm that we do see in this industry. Mm. Um, and then I guess from a systematic point of view, um, what really shocked me in the way that people, the way that we operate, um, and even a bit of my own learnings of my own self-awareness mm. is um, the influence of our personal bias. Um, that is something that I just don't get over day to day, how easily our personal bias can make us look at a situation and and then um, judge judge it really, mm, um, mm. and it's something that you you need to be able to remove mm. um, to be able to work with very individuals as best as you can. Can you give us an example in a scenario where that's happened? Yeah, for you? okay. <laughs> um, I guess I mean one of the biggest things are those things that you get brought up to believe, you know, you shouldn't do, or if someone does. That's a terrible thing. Say, say drug usage. Um, you know, like if I talk personally here, you know, I got brought up. I'm not, I'm not touching things like methamphetamines and people that do meth. I, my, my biases were, whoa, mm. like how can you make that decision to wow. do it? And if you've made that decision, mm. you know, you shouldn't get these rights. Or of course, mm. you're, you're not that I ever think. I think children should be with their families if it's safe. But of course, your kids are going to be removed and mm. things like that. Mm. But to then really dive into a person that has been down that road, that Mm. has used meth before, and maybe you're even working with them and they have a relapse and they use it again, Mm. you have to be able to remove that personal bias that like meth is the the be-all, end-all, worst thing in the world. Because Mm. one, we don't know the past traumas of this person Mm -hmm. um, and that's not productive in any way for me working with that individual to better their lives or if I'm working with their kids to better the lives of these children by saying because you've done that and my personal bias says I should never talk to you again or help you in any way 
that's not the role of a social worker at all. Great example and so much learning I can imagine from the role and from being in front of those experiences. Um, I, I have to admit that without a doubt with what you've shared already, it sounds that, that you have seen some really traumatic situations and, and knowing you as well, you've, you've, you've been in this role for quite some time. How do you mentally cope with that and what is your kind of way of balancing that within yourself internally? Yeah, Amazing question and one of the most important. Um, one that when learning at uni, self-care, 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 I never probably paid enough attention. And now I'm in the industry, it's like, wow, this is really important. Um, so for me, um, I'm while at work and I guess a skill that I feel I've really developed over the years is compartmentalising, but that doesn't mean that you don't address it at some point. Mm. That's really important mm. as well. Um, my biggest... Just straight off about my biggest self-care, again, really personal, like not that this works for everyone. First and foremost, if I'm in a situation, breathing um, is really important. Where I can get away, the beach, um, a bit of a sport fanatic, um, playing footy and and just getting out for a run um, and making sure I'm doing that on a daily basis. Um, if I'm going to work five days a week, then I should be doing that kind of stuff six days a week, you know, So, uh, and which is, is what I do. And then having people around you that you can talk to. Obviously, there's a lot of confidentiality with social work. So um, knowing what you can talk about is, is really important, but also making sure you've got those people around you. And I'm such an advocate for professional services. Um, you know, go speak to a counsellor, speak to a psych if you need. Really important. So Really great advice. I think it's fantastic advice that you've shared to any aspiring social worker out there that self-care is important and having these principles in play really helps you in your day-to-day jobs as well. Um, Jordan, the next question that we have for you is what is the most challenging part of the job? For me, I what I find really challenging is the things that are in front of you every single day, um, the things that you walk into knowing you're going to be having to address. And something really big there, and stay with me here, Neri, is uh, perceptions of truth. And what I mean by that is everyone has their own perception of truth and you can just believe it. Um, Like there are certain things that I know in my own head, I'm I'm never going to be convinced otherwise. And it's amazing in this field how, say, parents – grandparents, even colleagues can have certain perceptions of truth, things that they are, it is that way. And you, what I've come to learn and what's been so challenging is it's not actually changing that Mm. perception of truth. It's not actually saying you're completely wrong and I'm right. It's working with that. It's being able to say, what's the goal here? Mm. You know, the goal isn't changing people's understand, isn't necessarily changing their perception of truth it just might be education and understanding around it um or being putting the child at the the focus of it you know it's identifying that goal um and and striving towards that and working with people and I found that really challenging and I still do Mm. where someone may say something and you go that I just completely disagree with that but that's actually and it drops back into a bit about personal biases again and it's just not relevant to the goal that you're trying to achieve and keeping yourself solution focused very challenging but um if you can do it you know incredibly beneficial for social workers the way you've described it is definitely it seems that there's so much growth and development for yourself in that role by putting yourself through those challenges so um I, I find that quite fascinating 
Moving on to our next question that we have for you, Jordan. How much can you earn in this role? Look, starting off, when you first get into social work, um, you can go, um, you have government and non-government. Um, they're reasonably similar, but you're talking, you know, anywhere from 50, 50 to 60, those kind of starting um, 50,000, 60,000 yeah, salaries of between government and non-government. Yeah, I find so the non-govy space, I probably can't comment too much on because it, it mm. is, it fluctuates quite a bit. But again, as social workers, we're talking here, mm. non-govies also will dive into youth workers and things. As a youth worker, you'll get paid less. So you probably be sitting on say 40,000 so and then going on for social workers once you start in the role um yeah you're starting at that 50,000 60,000 then there's that that progression over a couple of years you can you start moving up to your 60s and your 70,000s you're probably you can you'll dive into 80,000s after a couple of years and then when you're looking at those senior roles you're sitting in between in between your eighty and ninety-five thousand. So you start at fifty, sixty, fifty thousand dollars, sixty thousand dollars as you're starting off. How many years would you have to work to get to that kind of salary range? <laughs> to be honest with you, Neri, mm. the attrition rate is so terrible that wow. as a result, opportunities pop up. And um, often, when I'm talking with seniors that are in my industry, mm. um, they're saying how it's happening so much quicker. Wow! Okay. Because those opportunities are there. So when I say three or four years. Um, that's happening now when in the past it was it was you know eight it could be eight to ten years wow. to really get those 90,000 kind of areas and above but now yeah you can start looking if if you put your head down and work hard you can you can start looking at those type of um, promotions and pay increases in let's say four to five years. Wow, unbelievable and so insightful. Mm -hmm. Definitely salary is a big and sensitive topic for many people and it's really clear to understand how much you're getting paid for essentially the nature of work that you do that requires so much of you. Just an honest question here, do you feel with the work you do and the challenges that you're put through, do you feel like you're rewarded rightly in terms of salary for, for the nature of work you do? Yeah, I, I initially thought yes. You know, um, however, when I frame that question, if I think my co-workers are, I, I say no. Mm. And that's probably, and I get, we get pretty passionate about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe some of the, some of the work that, that gets done and, and the, and that, and I think people do in all industries, don't get me wrong, but going that above and beyond um, as a result of, you know, being in an industry that's driven by humans and your interactions with people yeah. um, and, I think sometimes, yeah, I think we are can't be underpaid. <laughs> uh, really great to get that perspective because you've been through that process, you've understood it, you're still fairly early in your career and it's really great to get your insights on that to share with our listeners. Uh, Jordan, next question that we have for you is what are the most important skills needed for the job? Really great question. Um, broad too because, again, social work can be broad um, and straight off the bat I think resilience is is critical in this field just because again you will it, you will have tough days as as you will in every industry no doubt um, but I do think resilience is a key for me and I, I actually talk about this a fair bit ever since starting social work on my journey that I found there's like four skills four skills that then have sub skills and I won't go on forever but four real skills that 
um, I think, develop an individual to be able to sit in uncomfortable spaces, which is something you have to do as a social work, not only with families and parents and kids, but with your colleagues too, because again, it's a very highly emotional industry. Um, so you have to be able to sit in uncomfortable spaces. And I find there are four particular skills that lead to that. So one is self-awareness, um, I think, and that dives onto that bit I talked to about personal bias. I think being self-aware is absolutely um, critical to, to the work we do. Second of that is self-regulation. Um, they kind of lead into another one. The more self-aware you are, the more you can, you know, regulate your own emotions. I say that because as, as a lot of studies shows, when you're escalated, you're not making your wisest decisions. Um, so you're in an industry where there's high, there's high emotions around you and there's big emotions. Being able to regulate yourself um, in that moment to make the best decision for that individual group or community is, is really important. Um, the third one, I think, social awareness. So once you've kind of got yourself down pat, uh, it's looking out, it's that empathy, it's understanding others and their perceptions of truth and, and working with them as a result. Um, and then I think the fourth key skill uh, is relationship management, um, which is so much of what social workers do. Uh, their own relationships, managing them with, again, colleagues and um, the individuals they're working with, but as well as that, the dynamics of families, parents to kids and, and so much relationship management. So I think if you can get those four down pat with that underlying resilience, you'll be set up to, to take on the social work world. Unbelievable. And you say that with such confidence, Jordan, and obviously it's come through a lot of your experience as well working in this field. But for the listeners out there who are aspiring to become a social worker, any advice on how they could essentially develop those skills or start getting prepared for this field based on what you've said is really important? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, so that talking that self-care that we spoke about before, self-care is so important to them. Put yourself in a space to be able to start developing these skills. Mm. Um, so that that's essential and everyone will have different self-care plans and things that work for them. So it's understanding those. In addition to that, I mean, like other small things, like I think meditation, um, doing, <laughs> I say doing nothing um, as a really important thing. Wow. Ability yeah. to just step away and do nothing for a while yeah. is one way to then reprogram yourself and get ready to do something. And I don't know if that even... <laughs> How interesting so. is that? Because it's not always about doing something specifically as you would think it you would do in school, but actually other techniques, as you said, meditation could be something, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Or putting yourself in that kind of zone of doing nothing at all, that itself is a challenge. Yeah, very much so. Um, and it, it's a lot about slowing down as a social worker. Mm. Again, slowing down and regulating yourself. Um, so those type of little tips are, are ways to do that. Um, mm. And I think just as it's touching in again on self-care, but knowing what you love and, and, and allowing yourself to do that away from work as well. Because um, then you find that enthusiasm, you know, that drive to come to work, which is that kind of attitude is a really big deal in social work. Um, I absolutely love it, Jordan. Really great. Last question that we have for you asked by students is, is this a career you can do for a long time? Uh, yes, most definitely. Um, I think for people that get in it, um, they get in it because they have a drive. Um, they, they have a want to support and um, develop people, um, communities, and, and see, ideally see the world for better change. Um, so as long as you can keep that alive, then you can 
continue in this career for a long time um, and how to keep that alive as well. Obviously, spoken a bit about the self-care side of it. I think the other really critical thing with social work is what you can control and what you can't control. Um, you know, that locus of control. When you look at a situation and saying, and this is a reality, Neary, of, of the industry, is you've got to look at a situation and say, these are the resources that I have. This is the time that I have and the support that I can, I can get um, because it's, it's no secret that it's, it's underfunded, it's under-resourced and, and you've got to be fair to yourself. You mm. know, you go in there each day and you say, this is what I have to work with. Mm. I'm going to give it my best crack. And that's what I love about the industry is those around me, I like that. And mm. that's something I've really grown to learn is that the people in the, there are lots and lots of good people that are working in this industry with really good hearts, giving it their absolute best. Jordan, really great uh, insights there and great responses. And that wraps up all our questions that we have for you today. Uh, For our listeners out there who have more questions for Jordan uh, that did not feature on our list today and would like to connect with him, just visit our website, careerview.com.au. This is where you'll find Jordan's profile and you can email him with more questions, which I'm sure he'll be happy to answer when he has some time. Definitely. <laughs> no, I would absolutely love that. Even when he's in Cambodia so, as well, so yeah. he will find the time. But um, and, and with every episode, please don't forget to submit questions that you want to know, especially to young professionals who've been there and have done that. Uh, Jordan, just finally, final thing from me, just speaking out to any of the students out there or for anyone listening out there who are thinking about becoming a social worker or aspiring to become a social worker and having uh, and living that role any words of advice for them well funny enough my usual advice when I'm talking to people about social work is don't take my advice (laughs) and (laughs) when I unpack that further what I think it's about is about critical reflection um, and being critical as you walk into the roles um, and challenge things As I was saying before, there are amazing people in this industry, um, but no one shies away from the fact that we have a bit of a broken system and we haven't got it all right yet. So, um, yeah, be be critical, be willing to challenge um, and and carry that kind of cautious optimism, as I say. Be optimistic, of course, be cautious about it because of the field we're in, but don't lose that optimism. So, Jordan, thank you so much, mate. So, thank you for having me, Neri. Really appreciate it.